Hello, and welcome to the Zero to Hired podcast, the show that helps struggling job seekers find a career that's right for you. In every episode, we have one mission, to provide you with unique tips and strategies from leading industry experts that will get you in front of hiring managers. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Zero to Hired podcast. Our special guest this week is Shisu. Shisu is the president and owner of Two Sisters Consulting, Inc., is a skilled executive coach, facilitator, and organizational development consultant, and has worked in Canada and internationally for Fortune 500 companies. Shisu combines her worldview of passion for valuing differences by delivering thought-provoking, results-oriented programs, and she works with women, minority leaders, business owners, and change agents who want to make leadership contributions to their organization and the world around them. Through her innate ability to create trust and rapport with others, Shizu has a strategic perspective and influence that helps individuals and organizations perform better. Please help me welcome Shizu to the show. Hey, Shizu. Hi. Hey, we're so excited to have you on the Zero to Hired podcast. I, uh, thank you for being here today. I'm delighted. It's, I can't uh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I know you and I, we've gone back and forth and we've had a few conversations. And I know every time I speak with you, I'm always taking away something new and something interesting because I know you've got a vast experience in, in the work that you do today. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so let's go right into it and, and give us a little bit about your backstory and, and why you've gotten into the line of work that you're doing today. Okay. So the backstory, uh, a little bit of it is personal, some of it is professional. So personally, I am Chinese by descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned to you that I'm third generation out of China and uh, my parents and grandparents basically ended up in India. So I, you know, have a lot of experience living internationally. And then, of course, I spent 13 years in New York. And um, I just think that there's so much in our own personal cultural diversity and in the world. Um, So that's a little bit of who I am and the lens that I see my world through. And uh, professionally, I started working in the area of diversity when I was an intern Hmm. um, way back when with the Public Service Commission in the women's program there and learned what it was to uh, be from a segment of the population that's not represented in the senior ranks. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And so I've been doing work in the diversity space. My goodness, for too many years to count. Uh, definitely over 20. And I've done this both in the US and in Canada with large organizations implementing programs nationally, and uh, realized after all of that, that I loved working with individuals, working with groups, uh, not so interested in the politics, etc. And so that brings me here now. (laughs) It's rather a long trip, but here I am. So, so this is, this is quite interesting, right? So your background is, it's vast, you know, so you, you Chinese, Indian, North American, like North American, American, Canadian. Uh, So when it comes to interviews, and I know you have a lot of experience in the space, what is one of the biggest differences 
for people, and we have a lot of people that listen to the show from abroad. So people from Southeast Asia, people from Australia, people from Europe. To you, what do you see as the biggest challenges for them as they're trying to make that, con- that transition over to Canada, North America, the U.S.? It, what are some of the things that you see that are, that are different and stand out for them? Yeah, the, so the, the big difference I would say is that in Canada and in the U.S., when people are interviewing, they really want to know very concrete examples of what you've done. So if you say I've built a bridge, then you actually have to explain what that means, right? Like I had X number of people working for me. I, you know, wasn't the team that drafted the plans. It took X number of months and then what the result was. You have to be very specific. Um, Coming from India and China, the competition is so stiff for academics Mm. that when you get to that level, you're already in a very elite group of people. And so when you're interviewing, um, not in North America, you know, you're, when you say I am un, it's actually much, there's much more uh, credibility around that. Whereas when you interview for somebody here, you have to be very specific about what the results are. So do you have anything besides the, the bridge example, do you have anything specific or, you know, do you have an example of, you know, what that might sound like? Sure. So, um, okay, let's give a soft example. So if I say I have leadership skills, it's not enough for me to be in the interview and say, yes, yes I have leadership and supervisory skills. That's no problem. I actually have to say, so I, I actually have to, demonstrate where I've exhibited my leadership skills. So I will have to say, you know, I managed a plant and in the plant it had 300 people. I was responsible for X number of managers. I was responsible for the daily scheduling. I was responsible for the hiring, firing, promotions, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I started at, and I was so good at it that they actually promoted me to general manager. So again, a result, right? What I did and what the result was. Or, you know, like people in other plants where had, um, rep- where had reprimands or dings on their service records. But my plant ran so efficiently that we always outstripped our quota, another result. So not only an explanation or description of what you do to demonstrate that you actually did it, but also what an outcome was. Yeah, no, and that's and I think that's a big, it's it's the biggest thing that separates the everyday person from from the person who's outstanding. And when you think about how many candidates are actually out there for every position today, you know, I've seen stats as as much as 300 candidates or 400 candidates per position. And really getting into the the nitty gritty and the details is really what's going to make you stand out to provide the information, the data points that support what you're saying. Because it's one thing to just say, okay, I did this, but then when you support it with, you know, like you said, 300 people I managed and I had this many managers and this is the result of what we were able to deliver, that's what's going to make you stand out and be different. 
So exactly. that's great. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So in terms of preparation, because I know, because uh, it can be challenging. So how do you start f- framing your stories and framing your information in a way that's uh, cohesive and concise and to the point? Because I know one of the things I've heard candidates struggle with is, you know, I when I have my points and I try to, you know, get through my stories, especially people who are from, uh, you know, other countries, you know, interviews in North America, they can be very short, right? They can be as, 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 as short as 30 minutes, sometimes as long as an hour, depending on how the conversation goes. So how do you start preparing that information so you're, you're successfully delivering it to the hiring manager? Well, there's a couple of things to remember when you go into an interview. The first is the structural piece of the interview, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say structural, what I mean is when they get you for the interview, if it's 30 minutes or an hour, not all 30 minutes or 60 minutes is going to be about your skills and abilities because you have to factor in the greeting, the sitting down, the getting to know you piece, the, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. That'll take like the first five, 10 minutes then they're going to talk about your skills. So then it becomes more like a 20-minute or a 40-minute interview. And then at the end, they're going to ask you, so do you have any questions? And it's your opportunity to, to uh, show up and ask them and to actually demonstrate that you're engaged in the process. You know, if you're in an interview and, and they say, do you have any questions? Like, really think of some questions that you can ask them. Uh, rather than saying no and being passive. So that's what I mean about the structural piece of it. And then, of course, in the interview itself, you want to be relaxed. You want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You want to, to actually watch your body language. Um, I used to work for the Public Service Commission many, 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 many years ago. And I was working with visible minorities uh, in terms of you know, hiring potential candidates to come in to work for the government and I I had one interview where a highly credentialed woman came in and she took a deep breath and sat down and her whole body just drooped (laughs) she um, was so glad to be there it was like the finish line for her you know here I am she gave me all her credentials and you have to remember in an interview it's not it's not the end. It's actually the beginning. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right? a, yeah, no, it's a really good point. So, yeah. So when you come in, like I would say, just watch your body language, you know, shoulders back, head up, look people in the eye, your interviewer mm. or interviewers, if you have more than one. And um, yeah, and I, I come from a culture where I'm thought to be respectful and being re- respectful is not necessarily looking people in the eye, particularly if they're older than I am. Um, Well, you have to do that if you're in an interview in North America. You have to be very deliberate about, you know, saying, I did this. And my team was there, but I was responsible for. So using all of that I word. Yeah. No, no. So this is good. So you've touched on a lot of key points and I want to make sure that I highlight it for the audience because there's some gold in here. So really... The first thing I captured was your structure, you know, five minutes for your introduction, 20 minutes to really talk about your skills, and then being prepared with questions at the end. So actually, I want to dig into that because then I want to go into 
some of the other points you talked about, you know, your body language, because that's, that's super important. And, you know, I think you touched on it when you said, you know, people from, from other, a lot of Asian, I find a lot of Asian cultures where they don't make that eye contact, you know, because you're showing respect. And uh, when you're speaking up to an elder, it's a little bit different. So this is good. So we'll touch on that. But in terms of how do you prepare with your questions at the end? Because I, I find this is an area where a lot of candidates, they struggle because they get to the end of the interview and they're like, okay, well, uh, I don't really have any questions. So how can they go in prepared with mm -hmm. questions that, that'll make them successful and make them stand out? Well, you have to remember that the interview is not a one-way street. Mm -hmm. So not only are they interviewing you to see if the, you are the right candidate, but you're also interviewing them to see if they are the right boss for you, right, as an organization. Yeah. Now, I know that when you're coming in as an immigrant, um, because I am an immigrant so many times over, I actually just want the job. <laughs> but you don't want to demonstrate that in the interview. You actually want to be there um, and also assess them. And how do you do that? So how you would do that is basically ask them in the interview, can you tell me a little bit about the culture of the company? Mm -hmm. Right? That's one. The other question to ask would be, um, what, like at the end of the first year, what would a success like what would my success look like you know like what success criteria would you use for this job mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. will actually tell you in great detail exactly what they look for in that role um you know can you tell me a little bit about the background of the position so you can ask about background questions um and if you've been doing your preparation ahead of time you will have looked at the company website, you will have searched out some of the comments on monster.com or Glassdoor. And so you'll have a sense of what's going on with the organization. Um, so I would look there for, for potential questions to ask. Yeah, no, and that's great. Those are great points because I think going in and having and being armed with information about what's happening with the organization is going to allow you to have that conversation and go a little bit deeper. And it, yes. and it's interesting because they don't always so and culture can be a very delicate question to ask, right? Because I think about you know if I have a bad culture on my team, I'm not going to necessarily say that because I don't want to possibly turn away candidates to, that are looking for a good work culture. Um, so well, that's true. So how, how would you do say, that? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. They could say things like we're a very fast paced environment and uh, right. So what does that mean exactly? So that does that mean I won't have an opportunity to learn? So it's like, you know, or you can ask them, what, what would uh, a new employees, you don't have to say my, you can say a new employees onboarding look like. Mm. So, so that will give you an indication. If they say, well, you know, hopefully we'll have a desk ready for you. That tells you something <laughs> about the company. No, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And it's those, those little things, right? Like the, the little things that you don't necessarily think about showing up on the first day and actually being ready to work, right? Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've actually been in situations where in other cases they'll say, well, you'll be assigned a peer mentor, you know, you'll have blah, blah, blah for the 
first couple of months, totally like you understand from each answer where you stand with that organization. Yeah. No, and and uh, depending on the organization and how mature they are, right? Like if it's uh, absolutely, especially when you get into the newer startups and uh, new organizations where they're still trying to figure out everything, you know, having the basic necessities to do your job in the first week <laughs> or the first month, even <laughs> this is I, I know early on in my career, uh, I was my, one of my first jobs was uh, working in IT and support, and they just peered me up with somebody and they said, well, you just sit and you listen to them for two weeks to figure it out what they do. (laughs) I've been in those roles too, but at least the way they answer you gives you an indication of what to expect when you come in Yeah. so that you're not caught off guard, right? You have to, so you're, you're listening for, for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, no, that's great points. Great points. So going back to your, the example that you were using for that uh, visible minority, uh, where you talked about their body language. So going in and, and they say, I don't know, the stats vary from statistic to statistic, but I've heard as much as 93% of your conversation is your body language. Mm-hmm. So how do you show up with the most confident body language possible? Because I'm sure you've been through situations where you've had to coach people through this is how you show up or this is how you should show up. And you, you already touched on, you know, making that direct eye contact. But what, what else can they do to be successful, to have successful body language in the interview? Again, I'm going to use the word structural because body language, if you remember to keep your shoulders back, Mm-hmm. That's immediately going to pull you back and make you look more confident, right? The minute you pull your shoulders back, your head goes back as well. So you're not sitting at the desk looking down at the desk. You're looking, your head is up and your face is pointed towards your interviewer. So if you can manage to do that structurally, like just make sure that your, your back is, you know, is your shoulders are back, uh, that really helps. And then, uh, to remember that your head is aligned with your back so that it's in a straight line. Now, the one thing I also do because I do a lot of facilitation and um, I also get nervous and I notice that sometimes I lock my body up. So when I talk about the, the, the first part of the interview where they're greeting you and you're standing, right? And it's very easy to get very, our body to get very rigid and tight uh, is like lightly bounce on your knees, like just, uh, sorry, not bounce on your toes so that your le- knees are unlocked. Yeah, don't be bouncing on your knees. That's not a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. that, might look, that might look like you're skipping or something, or yes. you, gotta, you gotta go to the washroom. I don't know, what are those things? All right, but just uh, gently bend knees so your, your lower legs, your legs are unlocked so that you have a little bit of mobility. Um, and I also, you know, breathe, like just, just calmly breathe deeply. And I think that'll just shift stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, if you're a woman, uh, and again, if you're from the same culture that I am, which is East Asia, you know, you mm-hmm. one of the things that I coach a lot of my clients on is speaking to the back of the room. Because I can think I'm speaking really loudly and they can barely hear you, hear me. So... Uh, particularly if it's a person who's, uh, I'm five foot three. So if it's somebody who's, uh, you know, smaller and soft spoken, um, speak to the back of the, to the wall at the back of the room. Mm. 
-hmm. and that will actually project. So you, you start projecting. Now, having said that, I'm not advocating that anybody yell at their interviewer. <laughs> yeah, that, right? that might have so the reverse wanna... effect. Yeah, for sure. Totally. So you may want to practice a little bit. Like if the person who's across the desk, because that person will be like five feet away from you. So you have to make sure that they can hear you um, in a conversational tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that's that. You know, speaking to the back of the room is is great, especially if you're not a person, because I I don't think you realize how soft people like you speak sometimes. So yeah, no, that's a that's a great suggestion. So you know, this kind of it makes me wonder, and I'm starting to think. It sounds like you have like a, a preparation routine that you typically walk yourself through before you show up. So is there anything like that for you when? You know, or is that something that you would suggest to your clients to go through like some sort of routine or preparation before they actually get in the room and start doing the interview with the with the hiring manager? Well, I think that interviewing and job search is it's really a mental game. Mm -hmm. So this for me, this whole process is about the marathon. And in a marathon, you're preparing. You have to be prepared. Right? You have to know what the organization is about. You have to know what your, your stories are for the different points that they're looking for in the job. So if you're prepared, you're a little bit more at ease when you come into the interview. And that shows. Like if you're not at a time, that will also show in the way you talk, in your nervousness. Um, so for me, it's about being prepared ahead of time. So once you have the actual preparation about the uh, the materials that they're going to ask you, you know, the 40% of the interview, mm -hmm. then you can be mindful and take care of the rest of it, which is uh, body language, the breathing, because now you can be present to other things. Yeah. No, and, and that's, that's I, I, I find that's when you're most successful when you're relaxed, right? That's and, right. And being relaxed really comes from just a preparation that you put in there. And you, you touched on some really great points where, you know, you learn about the organization. Uh, sometimes I'll even go as far to tell people, you know, learn about the person who's interviewing you. Use tools. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, wherever possible. Uh, using a, a tool like LinkedIn to understand a little bit about the person's background. So when you go in, you're going in with knowing a little bit and armed with information so you can have conversation. Yeah. You know, and it gives you the edge. So yeah, no, that's fantastic. So <laughs> there is one more thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, I'm for sure. Sorry, I hope you don't mind my interruption. No, no. And this no. is so um, yeah, so simple and easy to forget. Smile. Like yeah. smile to yourself in the mirror in the bathroom before you go into the interview. Sometimes we're so nervous, you know, and uh, we don't know what our nervous face looks like. Um, so even in the interview, if you start worrying, just look at the person across from you and gently smile, you know, not like a crazy smile, but like gently <laughs> yeah. smile with them because they're probably nervous too. So it just, it just, that helps like the whole, it helps to relax your facial muscles and to just relax the atmosphere in the room. Yeah. No. So, you know, you touched on something where it's possible that the person on the other side of the table is nervous too, right? Like you never think about that going in. It's like, well, it feels like you're under the gun to, to do the right thing so you can get hired for the job, but it could be on the other person 
it could be the other person's perspective is that they have to hire somebody quickly to get something done. And if I don't do this quickly, then work gets left behind or I've got to pick it up. So that is, that is an interesting perspective. Where, For sure. Yeah. And in Canada and in the U.S., there's a lot of questions that interviewers can't ask, right? There's, mm. uh, there's laws around that. And so if they're not experienced, they could be uptight thinking, am I asking the right thing? <laughs> am I going to wreck this interview? So you actually don't know what's happening on the other side of the table. So I think if you can relax a little bit and help the other person relax, I think it would, uh, it would be very helpful for you. Oh, for sure. So you, you mentioned diversity, and I, I want to mm -hmm. talk about this. And I've even heard and I've read articles where they stated that diversity can be a strength, you know, and how you bring diversity into the conversation. And I know you have, you've got a lot of expertise in this area. So I, I really want to narrow in on this because I, the world is a different place. I think the work market, the work market very, right now is very different than what it was five, 10, even five years ago from, what it, from where we are today to where it was, you know, not that long ago. So how is it, how can you bring your diversity to show your difference and to, to really shine and, and stand out? I think that when you come in, depends on the organization again mm -hmm. and who's interviewing. So it helps not to assume who your interviewer is going to be, first mm -hmm. of all. It could be actually any gen gender or color sitting mm -hmm. in front of you, right? And uh, I think in an interview, um, it's very important to, if you do your research to understand what the culture of the company is, so you're speaking to the culture of the company rather than your culture or the person's culture in front of you. Um, having said that, um, for me, diversity is about understanding people's differences and recognizing them and working with them. So if the interviewer is asking you a question that's not really clear, or they're speaking in colloquialism, you know, they say, oh, uh, we don't, we're not lone wolves here, we don't blackball people, or they use sports analogies and you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Don't just sit there, like ask them. When you say you don't blackball people, can you please explain that for me? Can you give me an example? Like you're allowed to ask them. Um, the other thing to do is to not hide your difference. I mean, I'm a petite Chinese woman. There's no getting away from it. <laughs> and right. The, and when I realized that, I just went and got a whole bunch of like red jackets because I was going to stand it anyway. So uh, I played it up. <laughs> so don't like, you know, come, come in and be authentic to yourself. I mean, be appropriate to the workplace. Mm -hmm. uh, some organizations are very formal, so you'll want to come in a little bit more formal. Like you said, the startups may be a little bit more informal, so you can be appropriate to that as well. Um, but be authentic to yourself. Um, as you uh, know, I use my Chinese name. I use my Chinese name because it's authentic to me. For me, it's a claiming a piece of my heritage, my background. Mm -hmm. uh, integrating all of the pieces of myself. Um, and I find that when I use that in the workplace, people are actually very generous about it. There's been so many times when I've come in and 
people just, they say it right because they've actually gone to somebody else and practiced it. But I also know I help people out because I don't want to put people on the spot. That's not why I use my Chinese name. So yeah. using my Chinese name, I was actually Lob. And it's an unusual, right? It was an unusual name, mm -hmm. uh, even in my culture. So on the resume, I have my name, Shi Pu Chen, spelled out, and then I would have underneath pronounced, and then the phonetic spelling. Yeah. And I did get the job, and it was a really great job. And so when they asked me, what do you want on your card? I did the same thing. I put my name, I put pronounced, the phonetic spelling, and I mm -hmm. still do that today. Yeah, and, and, and so you've touched on a really great point because there are, so two great points. One is the colloquial language that organizations use in sports analogies. And because there are a lot of new Canadians that listen to this podcast, you know, it's okay. Don't be afraid to ask the question, what does that mean? Right. So, uh, for sure. especially if they they get into the local sports analogies, right? So baseball and, <laughs> and hockey, you know, center ice, offside, whatever, like whatever the conversation is, uh, it's okay yes. to take the moment and, and to take that step back and ask the question, you know, I don't understand what you mean by that and just be okay. Oh, with you can even, yeah, and you can actually even have it be a humorous moment. You can say, oh, that sounds like a sports analogy. What would that be in cricket? Because that's what I follow, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, in cricket, we say this. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, so that's demonstrating the authentic you. Yes. Not mocking anybody, but like as a frame of reference. And now all of a sudden you have a dialogue rather than a one-way interview. Yeah. So, and so, so that's great because you touched on, so that's a big part of it, understanding who you're talking to and, and the language that you're using. But then I really enjoyed the piece where you, you kept your authentic name because I find a lot of people when they move, they think it improves their chances of landing jobs here in Canada by, you know, in North America by changing their names to something different. So it's great that, you know, you can use your name authentically, but it's, you know, if it's a difficult, I know for me, I've been struggling with it and I've had practice with your name and, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, to, to have that on your business card where it's your name spelt out and then spelt out phonetically. So it's easier and, you know, you support the person to, to help them, ex, you know, say your name. Like my last name, people, they get it wrong all the time. And I actually started spelling it phonetically for people so people could pronounce it correctly. So, huh. yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's, wow. <laughs> wow. So, that, and it's also highly personal, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I'm okay with people personalizing my name rather than saying people mispronounce it all the you know, I, I see it as, hey, you're personalizing it. I'm good with it. Like, mm -hmm. that's your version of my name. I'm like, now we're connected. <laughs> so that's my interpretation. Whereas other people can get deeply offended by it. So I think you as an individual have to look and see, is it going to just be easier if you chose like a modification? If that's going to give you peace of mind and allow you to move on with the important things and do it. If not, then, you know, keep your name and be patient. Yeah. No, and, and I think, so you, you touch on a really good point because, you know, in North America, organizations are becoming very diverse. And when you think about the yeah. different backgrounds, you know, Canada is known as, as a multicultural 
country, but there's still areas and there's still organizations that struggle with names from, you know, East Asia, Southeast Asia, you know, just the pronunciation of, you know, how they're spelled. But I think there's definitely a lot more respect for people keeping their authentic names versus, you know, if your name is Gagandeep and changing it to Derek, it's okay to keep the Gagandeep. We're, we're okay with that now. So absolutely. So that's fantastic. So in terms of any other final tips or preparations, you know, what's the one or two things that, you know, a candidate can do, you know, now that they've gone through the interview process, they, they've delivered their most confident self, they've delivered their most authentic self. Are there any suggestions or ideas mm-hmm. around follow-up and, and connecting with the interviewer afterwards? Well, I would say definitely follow up. That mm-hmm. is a must do. Um, you know, it used, I used to say like send the email right away or within 24 hours. Although there is some debate now whether to actually send a formal thank you note in the mail because it's so unusual that it stands out more. Yeah. So you can look and see what works best for you. But, um, you know, the other thing I would say besides the thank you note is don't be afraid to follow up with a company. Some companies will let you know very quickly whether you're in or out, but most companies take a while. So because I see this as a marathon rather than a sprint, don't get down mentally or don't be upset if you don't hear from them in like a week or two days. Um, That's just not gonna happen. And if you don't hear back in two weeks, it's actually okay to do a follow-up email and say very gently, just curious where you are in the process, thought I'd follow up with you, yeah. right? And then, and then wait on that. But uh, don't, don't be discouraged um, is, the, is the real mess. Yeah. Actually, one of the things I tell people to do, like what I tell people is if you've done all your preparation, you've gone in at a hundred percent and you've done everything that you can do to be your best and you still don't get the job, then, you know, ultimately I don't think that job was for you and there's other better opportunities for you. So that's, that's fantastic. Emailing. And I would have never thought of mailing a letter. Like that's a, like a little thank you card. Mm -hmm. People used to do things you cards all the time and what I was hearing was thank you cards now stand up more so that's something to put in your portfolio just to see what works yeah no absolutely and and I'm just gonna add one piece make sure you personalize your card not just a a standard not just a standard thank you hey thank you for meeting me like really try to pick a moment what I you know I, I like to do is pick a moment in the conversation and say hey thank you for for sharing a particular thing or a particular item or sharing company culture with me but personalize mm-hmm. your message. So whether it's an email yeah. or a thank you card, just make sure you personalize it so it's it's even more genuine and more authentic. Because now absolutely it shows your listening skills. So yeah, no, it's fantastic. And yeah, the two to the two week follow up. I know one of the things that we hear from clients is you know nobody follows up and nobody ever tells us anything and we just kind of like things just drop off and disappear. But then I've also heard where companies and organizations will follow up as, as long as four months afterwards to say, Hey, we got the position still. Are you interested? Exactly. So, so yeah. kind of keep yourself open to that. Cause I've seen, I've personally seen somebody get a job where they were looking for work and they took the job and within the three months of being in that job, the other offer came through, which was better. So they ended up leaving the job that they were in to go take the better offer. 
So sure. yeah, don't give up hope because you never know, right? And the thing to remember in all of this is you're working with the organization's timeline. It's not your timeline. You know, my timeline is yesterday, especially if I'm looking for a job. Mm -hmm. Whereas the organization's timeline, the interview is just a piece of it. It's not the end all and the be all. You know, they've, yeah. they've got their politics internally. They've got the assessments. They've got whatever else it is they need to, to manage. Yeah, and there, there's various steps, and depending on the size of the organization, it's got to go through various levels for approvals before anything gets signed off. And yeah, That's right. so, so it takes time. So you got to give yourself that. So, so this is Grace Shizu. Um, is there anything that you're working on currently? Any projects, anything new that you want to share with our audience? Well, I've started doing a lot more virtual coaching, so I'm very excited about that. And one of the things I've started doing is virtual group coaching. So that's some, a new model that I've never done before. Um, definitely love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. And of course, my programs right now are designed for in-person um, attendance. Mm -hmm. So 2019, I'm going to be looking at workshops and how people can access my programs um, online and uh, something I'm very excited about. But the best thing to do is to, you know, come on my website, schedule a free half an hour with me. I'm more than happy to talk to you about your job search, uh, where you're at, uh, you know, help you in any way that I can, uh, um, and then see what else there is. Excellent, so I'll make sure to include your website uh, in, in the show notes. So they have a link to it. So can you just repeat your website for us? So we know which website to visit. Sure. Um, the best website to get on my discovery calls is prosperitycafe.ca. Okay. So I'll make sure I include the prosperity.ca website in the show notes so you can link out to it and schedule that call with Shisu uh, and, you know, get started, right? Because it's important to, to start taking action and, and really moving in that direction. It's so, too easy to get stopped. I, I really like the way you said that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that I'm a, I'm a big fan is, of is just taking action and just go out there and take action. I, I find people's failures come from not taking action and just take action. You know, just do it. You know, Nike has, you know, Nike says it, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah just do it. So thank you, Shitsu. For, for being on the show and, and for sharing some really valuable insights with our audience. I know I've taken, I've got a full page of notes because I'm always writing stuff down and, you know, taking away some good information. I know our audience is going to get some great information from you as well. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for being on the Zero to Hired podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me, Kanal. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of the Zero to Hired podcast. So make sure you, you know, check out the show notes, get the links and book that, that free half hour discovery uh, call with uh, Shizu because it's, it's, it's really going to help you out. All right. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Zero to Hired podcast. Make sure you check out our website, www.zerotohired.com and download your free resume template that's proven to get results, complete with examples and guidelines. Make sure you tune in as we interview leading industry experts who provide tips and strategies to help you get the career that's right for you.